November 11th, 2021. We're in Masechet Rosh four lines from the top, just three words before the end of the line. This morning's class and all the Gemara classes throughout the week are Le'idui Nishmat Rachel Chaya Batzal donated graciously by Jesse Sutton. The Gemara said Tenan Hatam. If you recall, we began this yesterday. Tenan means a Mishnah, Hatam means over there. It's a Mishnah in Masechet Shivirit. The Mishnah has the following characterization or specification with regards to legumes. What do I mean by legumes? Kotniyot is what we refer to it, or some people call it kitniyot, right? When you're dealing with rice as the first example, or any of the other seeds that grow from the ground, we want to know as we have, and as we will again return to discussing What's the final product with regards to halakha, for ma'asir, for shemitah, with regards to this fruit? I, I, I introduce again, who cares what the final product is? Everybody does. Why does everybody care? Because the determination of how you're going to take ma'asir with regards to what year this fruit belongs to, is it the first year or the second year, the sixth year or the seventh year, and so forth, is, is necessary to determine, well, what's the final product? So you'll say, it's when I pick it. It's not so. Because if it's already mature, it's not going to be dependent upon picking necessarily. So each one of the different uh, categories of growths from the ground has had a different determination. We've already tested some of them out with regards to sourcing, and we're going to test out some more. What we want to deal with specifically right now is rice and other kotniot. What we dealt with in the earlier classes was tivu'ah. We spent a lot of time, almost an amud and a half, searching for a source. How do you know in tivu'ah, either a source or a remez bakera, when it comes to tivu'ah, when it comes to the five grains of the ground, when it comes to zetim, when it comes to olives and anavim and, and uh, grapes, that the halakha is with regards to those, they're considered complete for halakha reasons when they mature to a third. That's what we spent a lot of time. We finally came to a conclusion at the top of the page. Yeah. Again, that's that's the uh, that's the that's the description over here through and through. It's not when you take it. You would have imagined it's when I take it. It's when it's grown in your possession. That's it. When it's grown in your. That at that moment it's hayav b'maaser, right? In other words, practically speaking. So what Nathan mentions is there's a Mishnan Masechet Ma'asrot, and the Gemara mentions it very often, that there's a determination with regards to the processing. At that stage, I now have hovering above me the Hiyuv of Ma'asir. So there's several determinations over here. That is, at that moment, they're knocking at your door, the IRS, and demanding the taxes. But what taxes, on what money are they, are they claiming? So that's what we're dealing with over here. Is this the money from the previous year, or is this from this coming year? So... Yeah, ground. you left it in the field throughout, so then there's no hayuv ma'asrot. That's exactly the point. The IRS is never knocking at your door if you just left it in principle and potential. So in other words, that, that's an important point to be made. It complicates it, but it's important to be made. What we're talking about is the determination of how is this to be considered your profit? Is it for that year or is it for this year? But if you never take the profit, in other words, you never actually bring it into your storehouse, so of course you don't take ma'asir, and that's a separate halacha. But here we are in the context of legumes, tenan hatam, the Mishnah says, masechet shiv'it, ha'orez, orez is rice, dohan, some sort of rice-like thing. Peragin, yesterday Jesse told me poppies. Shumshimin, sesame seeds. Shehishrishu lifnei Rosh Hashanah. There it is. The determination with these, uh, perhaps the m- most simple, is when they take root in the ground. 
Well, simple if you're an agriculturalist. I don't have a clue when it takes root in the ground, but assuming you know when it takes root in the ground, that's it. You don't look for its future growth. You don't determine a third or when it's picked or anything like that. It's from hashrasha, from taking root. If that's the case, that it was nishrash, it rooted in the ground before Rosh Hashanah, mit'aserin l'she'avar, the status is of this growth of these legumes, they have the status of the past year, umutarim b'shiv'it. And if it was planted on the sixth year and in turn took root on the sixth year, on the seventh year, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it as a permitted growth. Why is it a permitted growth? Because it grew, quote unquote, halachically speaking, in the previous year. Vim lav. However, if the growth, not the growth, but rather the rooting, which we're determining as the growth, the maturity of the fruit, for our purposes, was after Rosh Hashanah, and it was planted on the sixth, asurim it has the status of the seventh, but I planted it on the sixth. Who cares? It didn't take root until the seventh. And let's say it was the second going into the third year. The third year now has the status with regards to Ma'asir, and you're going to be taking Ma'asir Ani instead of Ma'asir Shini. Okay, that's what we've discussed. That's what we mentioned yesterday. We even mentioned the next line yesterday. Rabbah now reflects. Rabbah says, listen, when it comes to ma'asim in HaTorah, as we've mentioned on more than one occasion, we're dealing with tivu'ah, we're dealing with the grains of the field, we're dealing with the grapes and the olives. We're not dealing with anything else. So everything and anything else is going to be rabbinic in nature, and we're going to try to figure out the logic. When it's a Torah law, I'll look to the Torah, I'll look for a source on this. When it's a rabbinic law, I want to understand it. So says Rabbah, taking a step back, and he says, "Ah, it's an interesting thing that took place over here. We have a precedent in the Torah with regards to Tevuah, that the growth of Tevuah, when it hits a third, that's when you consider it mature. We have even a rabbinic, two rabbinic halachot with regard to fruits, we're going to mention them in just a moment, and with regards to vegetables. Each one of these has a different determination, it has a different stage in its development that I say, "Mm, over there it's finished. How come when it came to legumes, when it came to kotniot, I have yet a different one. Is there some sort of internal logic? Something that I can look at and understand why the rabbis decided it this way. The rabbis determined when it comes to an apple tree, when it comes to a pomegranate tree, or whatever fruit you're dealing with, the determination of whether it's this year or that year, whether it's the sixth year or the seventh year, the second or third year, is based on not when the fruit is sprouting forth, but rather the stage immediately prior to that. It's when there's hanata, which means when the flower which precedes the fruit falls off of the tree, and you know the fruit is coming in now, it's then that you see the absolute potential for the fruit to come in, and it's then that the determination is affected. And if the hanata took place before Tu Bishvat, 15th of Shevat, which we follow the opinion of Beit Hillel, then it counts as the earlier year. If the Hanata, if those flowers on the tree only fell off after the 15th of Shevat, then the Halacha, of course, is it's the next year. So that's with regards to fruits. Tevu'ah v'zetim, and we mentioned these as well, Tevu'ah, which includes as well grapes, and Zetim, which of course is olives, Batar Shalish, it goes based on a third, we found a derasha for that yesterday. Yerek, when it comes to a vegetable, the Gemara already told us from a Mishnah elsewhere, Masechet Ma'asrot. The Gemara will explain it a little bit further on Daf Yodalit, but the Halakha is it goes Batar Lekita. It goes based on when it's picked. And the understanding over there, well, we'll see the understanding of there. Hane, these, the Kotniot, Keman Shavin Hu Rabbanan. 
how and why did the rabbis establish this without any paradigm? They didn't follow vegetables, says Rashi, they should have gone that way. Perhaps, suggest others, they should have made it similar to Tevuah, irrespective of which one it could have been similar to. How come the rabbis decided to make a new determination? Now again, the question is an after the, after the fact question. We're just trying to trace back and understand that. All the others are different from one another, but we can give, and we've given some, a logic for each. Either a proof, if it's from the Torah, or a logic. So you're right. Technically speaking, all Rabbi is asking is, what's the logic over here? The way he asks it is, why didn't you compare it to another? Which is another way of saying, what's the logic? Why would you argue that Kotniot goes based on Hashrasha? Amar Rabbah, Rabbah's answer is, this was very pragmatic, very practical in nature. It wasn't of the essence of the Kotniot. It isn't of the essence of their growth, but rather it's very practical. How so? Mitoch asuyin perachin perachin, works like this. The way these legumes, these kotniot, the rice and uh, poppy seeds and sesame seeds and so forth, are apparently pr- produced and brought forth and, and, and developed is as follows. You plant them, they take root, they grow. If you planted a large bushel, a large field, they generally speaking all grow at the same speed and the same amount of time. However, the way you then bring them in, the way you then produce them in the next stage, is you're going to go step by step, not all of them at once. Apparently, that's just the right way to do it. You do them, pirachin, pirachin. Rashi explains pirachim as a reference to Morris, crumbling them, which means to say you'll walk up to them and with your hands or with your machine, you're going to one by one cut them and then take out the seeds from them. That's what you're going to do one by one. For one reason or another, the way the process works is best done without doing it all at once. So you do it one step and then another step. So you got imagine a large field filled with sesame seeds. One day you take a tenth of it and the next day another tenth of it and so on and so forth. It takes a long time to, to do this. And you don't want to do it all at once because apparently you're not going to get the best growth and the best dividends if you do it all at once. Well, that being the case, assuming and accepting that that's the agricultural reality, it's going to get very messy over here. Imagine you have a very large field filled with your seeds, filled with your rice. It's now going to get very messy because it's since, the, since the cutting and the bringing in and the perachin, the crumbling takes a lo- long amount of time, I'm going to have a mess of produce. So I'm going to have produce from the previous year. So pa- imagine the spanning a month or more. And potentially in many circumstances, you're going to be uncertain where and when this, this rice was from and that rice was from. It might be all mixed up and I'm trying to keep it separate. I have that book over here and I have that, it gets all very messy because again, whereas when I pull the fruits off my trees, generally speaking, I could do it at one or two, maybe three junctures. When I pull the, veg, the what's it called, the, uh, the, the cucumbers out of the ground or out of the bush or whatever, in that circumstance as well, I could do it pretty much all at the same time or within the same period. When it comes to the kotniot, says Rabbah, how does Rabbah know this? Because he knew the field a lot better than I do. He says that it was done perachin, perachin, it was done little by little and therefore it's confusing and therefore it's dangerous and therefore it's difficult to determine appropriately what year each one of these seeds falls out into. So the rabbis found an easy way. They said just go based on a common denominator. What's the common denominator of all these growths, of all these things? Hashrasha, when they took root. That's the suggestion of Rabbah. Go ahead, Jay. You're saying uh, fix it by labeling. Especially, I, I know my uncle. My uncle did labeling for the back end, whatever that means. That that was his career. That is his career. So he's saying we made we made business out of labeling. 
All right, I guess they were nervous. People are going to be cheap. They wouldn't label appropriately. Listen, it does solve it. You know, it's, 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 it skips that step of having to, to label. It makes things less technical. It certainly does. There's a stronger, more fundamental question that asked by Tosafot. Tosafot is all very beautiful and nice. When you're dealing with the ma'aser, with the tenth, which is coming from the growth of my legumes. However, we're not only dealing with a dinder banan or a binic law of taking a tenth from your legumes. We're dealing with as well, shivir'i. Shemitah. Shemitah is an issue from the Torah. So you're telling me that, not arbitrarily, certainly the rabbis with their logic determined we're going based on the time it takes root. Imagine the following circumstance. You planted all of these rice plants right before Shemitah and they took root before Shemitah. Quote, unquote, in God's eyes, let's say, the final produce or the mature, the initial maturity of this item is only later on. But since it took root beforehand and the rabbis told me to go based on taking root, I'm enjoying this rice on Shemitah. You all there and you from the Torah. I mean, can you imagine? That's what the rabbis have led us into with this. So it's a beautiful logic, Rabbi, pragmatic and practical, and you solved it, made it clean, but you should be labeling. You're playing with an issue from the Torah. It's not only a rabbinic issue over here. That's Tosafot's question. Tosafot offers two answers. Tosafot's first answer is that perhaps our Gemara is following the opinion of, it's this Tosafot, their first answer is maybe we're following the opinion of Rabbi. Rabbi's opinion is that Shemitah bizman hazeh is only midrabbanan. So it means this halakha is only bizman hazeh. Certainly in the time of the Torah, when you had an actual Shemitah min ha-Torah, this is, as we've discussed, a tremendous debate amongst the poskim, whether Shemitah bizman hazeh is min ha-Torah midrabbanan. But if we're following Rabbi, all right, so then everything's okay. They're both only midrabbanan. Alternatively, he cites from a Torah Kohanim. Torah Kohanim is the Midrash Halacha for Sefer Vayikra, where the Pasuk, they have a derasha, the Pasuk says, Ve'asafta etbuata ba-shevi'it. Right, so it's an interesting, it's not really what the Pasuk says, it's the derasha of the Hachamim. It appears as if it's saying, you should gather on the seventh. Well, if you're gathering on the seventh, in what circumstance are you gathering on the seventh? The suggestion in the Midrash is this situation. So our logic is only telling me how to be Doresh the Pasuk. That's an interesting cell as well. I found in Ritva the following interpretation. And if you know me, you'll know I'll get very excited about such an interpretation. Says Ritva, it works like this. The Torah purposefully, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Berov Chochmato, gave us laws of Shemitah and gave us applicability even to Kotniot. However, Every detail was not revealed. Every detail was purposefully not revealed. He handed over the ability to determine and to decide that to the rabbis, which, or to the scholars, or to the authorities. I mean, if you don't like the word rabbis for uh, Sanhedrin, right? so prior to rabbinic era. And what we're describing over here is Masra Katub Hachamim, the ability to determine what is the qualification? Says God, I'm handing this over to you. We find precedence for this elsewhere. For example, I have two favorite examples. One is the Gemara Masechet Mo'ed Katan. The Gemara has derashot with regards to Hola Mo'ed. That is an Isur Melachan Hola Mo'ed. What sort of Melachah is Asuran Hola Mo'ed? What sort of Melachah is Muteretan Hola Mo'ed? So the Gemara goes at great length to explain in a very difficult manner, and that's why most people just don't follow it because they don't understand Allah. Right? That's the reality. But when it comes down to it, Holomoid has halachot in and of itself. How are those determined? I opened my Torah, my to- to- 
Torah barely says you're not allowed to do melacha. Uh, so once you're not allowed to do melacha, how are they determined? The answer is, again, the Gemara is explicit about this. I'm not mistaken. It says, It handed it over to us to determine. My other favorite example is in the context of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we're not only Asur Ba'achila Bishtiyah, the Mishnah, the beginning of the eighth parak of Masechet Yomah, says there are five Inuyim. Achila and Shtiyah count as one, and then there's Tashmish, and there's Neilat Sandal and Sichan, and Rechitzah. Where'd you come up with those other four? Says the Gemara, the Torah says the word Inuy in the context of Kippur, right, affliction, five times. Mabruk. Where did you come up with those other four? So you might argue, as do many, that those are only midrabbanan. Achilan shtiyaz min haTorah. The other four are only midrabbanan. It stands to reason because the beginning, the beginning Mishnah over there says that a melech v'hakala yirhatzu et penehem. A king and a and a and a bride are allowed to wash their face. The audacity. Who said? Where does it say in the Torah they're allowed to wash their face? So if you argue, it's only asum midrabbanan in the first place. Him amru vehem amru. The rabbi said this is forbidden, and as a result, they permitted in certain circumstances. How do you know a person who's, who's pregnant is allowed to wear the shoes? Even if they're leather shoes, must be only midrabanan. That's the argument of many Tosafot Yeshanim, Tosafot as well. Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim of Jerona argues against this. He says, what are you talking about? These are all in Torah, and he points to a dirasha afterwards, two pages later, there in the eighth parak of Masechet Yomah. So how could they be in Torah? What are you talking about? Number one, how'd you come up with these? So the Gemara has fancy dirasha. Number two, how'd you have permissibilities? Who gave you permissibilities? Mission. The answer again is Masraha Katuv, the Hachamim. The Torah Kivyachol purposely leaves a blank space and says, Now you guys determine it. I'm suggesting, um, not me, Ritva, in the name of Ra'avad, is saying the same over here. This description of Shemitah, which is an Isur from the Torah, which is biblically binding. But how so? So the Gemara says, Well, the rabbis figured this out because it's going to be confusing. Dad, are you playing with fire? That's right, but the fire was passed on to you to determine the constructs and the confines of this fire. It reminds me as well of what an asmachta is. An asmachta, oftentimes we find in the Gemara, all the times we find, time we find in the Gemara. The rabbis often have a law, and then they learn it from a pasuk in the Torah, and you know, the cynical-minded person rolls their eyes and says, come on, that's not what the pasuk meant. That's an asmachta. So what is an asmachta? Ultimately speaking, is it just a word game, or is there something more to it? Harambam, famously, in several places, writes, an asmachta is, the rabbis established it and then they wanted to lean on a pasuk in the Torah you and I remember catchphrases once upon a time not too long ago you remembered famous pasukim in the Torah you had a way of reminding the people of your law by pointing to a pasuk in the Torah with acute interpretation Ritva in his commentary what are you talking about? is the pasuk purposefully being written in somewhat of an ambiguous fashion. It's not God binding, so to speak, in the classic sense, but it's God opening the doors to interpretation, to the scholars, to the hachamim, to determine what is my law, so to speak. Well, that's what's taking place over here as well, potentially. Whereas Tosafot has a cop out answer. Tosafot says our Gemara is going like Rabbi, that, that Shivi'it is only Midrabbanan. Or it's that Midrash, which is not apparent in our Gemara. Says Ra'avad, quoted by Ritva, our Gemara is a rabbinic establishment which has binding clause even on Nisur Minha Torah. They're determining how Shemitah works based on their understanding of our tendencies, based on their understanding of how it's going to work best for us with Hashrasha, even for Shemitah. Says the Gemara.
further, and that's a step beyond. What, 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 Hang on. With, with, with the bat quote. I, and he says, no, two things. You are a step beyond. Over there you're looking. To, when you're telling me, don't take lulav on Yom Rishon, don't, don't sound the shofar on Shabbat, in that circumstance, you're oker davar minat Torah. I don't, I, I, I'm more excited by this than that, believe it or not. Because for this, I'm reading this and understanding it as God turns to us and says, please define my words. And when you define them, I will not. Over there, you say, listen, this is what we need to do based on the circumstance. I'm sorry. Rabbi Eliezer exactly says what you said. Rabbi Eliezer has, is not per se in all circumstances determined. He was right, but but was right over here. You're right. That's a definition of a term. Over here, it's almost being Led open to you along the same lines, certainly all part of the same conversation. Says the Gemara Amar Abaye. Abaye turns to Rabban and says, Oh, Rabbah, that's the reason of the rabbis. The reason the Hachamim determined when it comes to Kot Niyot, you're going to go based on Hashrasha because it's going to be too confusing. I have a way to solve that confusion. Uh, says uh, Abaye, and he'll, he'll quote precedents from a, from a Beraita, which explicitly states you can do so. Here's what you do. Gather in all of your kotniot, all of your legumes, your seeds, your rice from the field. Put them in their appropriate storehouses. Confusing. No labeling, no containers. You're not separating. That's okay. What I now want you to do is I want you to take it, yisbor, like with Yosef, I want you to gather it all together, push it into the middle of the storehouse. In other words, push everything together. Once everything is pushed together, we now should imagine that it has an, a homogenous mixture over here. It means to say I'm now looking at something that is equally proportioned throughout. What are you talking about? You had some from last year's produce. It was uh, it, it took you picked it uh, 30 days ago, and then you have some that you crumbled 35 days later, and so forth. But now that I mixed it all together, the halakha is what's that? By the law of averages. Now you're going to tell me it's not going to be precise. Yes, says Rabbi, it's not going to be precise. Who said that's the halakha? The audacity, Abaye, to suggest such a thing, says Abaye. But I know a Mishnah that says that should be our assumption. Milotanya. Don't we have a beraita in which it says, Rabbi Yosef ben Kippar Amar, Mishum Rabbi Shimon Shizuri. Pul HaMisri. Pul HaMisri is like Fulmendames, something like that, I assume. But it was an Egyptian one. I don't know. Ful usually is not exactly Egyptian, is it? How do you like that? How do you like that? Okay, so fool is Egyptian. That's what we're talking. I don't know. Well, if you say so. Shezerao lezera. You see, you can put, you can plant that that plant for one of re- two reasons: either to eat it as a vegetable or to eat it as a seed. The way we have fool, I think, today. Right. So if you did it for seed, now if you planted it with the intention of picking it as a vegetable and using it not as the seeds shibbo, but rather as a vegetable. So how's the determination going to arrive? It's going to go based on picking likita. That's the way we do it. If we're doing it as zera, if you're doing it in order to get the seeds, it's not going to be shlish, it's going to be hashrasha, of course. It's going to be just like the other legumes, like the ores, like the dohan, like the ishum shemin, and so forth.
So here we are with our fool in the ground and a kind of, I got a mixture over here. Some is rooted beforehand, some is rooted afterwards. Whereas I told you earlier, generally speaking, when we're dealing with kotniot, we're going to have a hashrasha all at the same time. You planted it, it's going to take root at the same time. Over here with this type of plant, this type of seed, apparently can have a little bit and a little bit. It's, it's a little bit less predictable. Well, what's the halacha going to be? Of course, I'm going to have to have it marked off, says Jared. I'm going to designate this area as for last year, that area, this plant. I'm going to have to walk around my field checking them each one. Nope, says the halacha. In what you can't do is lead to a mixture. You can't lead to a simple mixture because some of it is old fool, quote unquote, and some of it is new fool, quote unquote. So what am I to do? It's going to be very confusing, of course. As I mentioned, Jared will tell you, go into the field, pay a lot of workers for this, mark off each tree, not tree, each bushel, and determine exactly when it took hashrasha. There's a kula kesad who also said, what can you do? Sover gorno letocho v'nimsa torem u'me'asem in a hadash shibo al hadash shibo min a yashan shibo la yashan shibo. Rather, says Rabbi Shimon Shizuri, what you can do in this circumstances, take all of your fool plants and seeds, bring them into your grain house, bring them in there and push them all to the middle, mix it up completely and fully and in the words of Rabbi use the law of averages assume now that there's an equal proportion throughout in this storehouse of each of those plants each of those seeds but I had 30% from last year and 70% this year that's right and every scoop you're going to pick up you should therefore imagine since you mixed this well and pushed it into the middle has 30% of that one and 70% of that one but can I really be certain you can't really be certain but that's what the halakha is telling you well if that's the case again and back in our Gemara, Abaye turns to Rabbah and he says to him, Rabbah, I don't understand. Your issue over here with explaining why when it comes to the Kotniyot, we're going based on Hashrasha is because it's not practical. It's going to be too confu- confusing for the people. How am I going to determine which one was crumbled this year and which one was crumbled last year? You do the crumbling over a long period of time. It's Asuya Pirachin Pirachin. That's too dangerous, too difficult for the people. Let's just make it. We go Batar Hashrasha. We go based on the I disagree, says Rabbah, says Abaye. What's that? Why should it be any different? But no, 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 no. Not like that, no. No, that's not what it meant over there. Pula Mitzri can be used for either or. You're using it all for Zerah. Some took Hashrasha before Rosh Hashanah, some took Hashrasha after Rosh Hashanah. But you're Zerah, all Zerah. Yeah, it's, it's all Zerah. It's all Zerah. Now the question's going to be, how am I going to... So in our circumstance, even though you found a fancy, easy way to say we're going to have it all equal, we're going to go based on Hashrasha, and when it comes to our Kotniot, they're all going to have the same Hashrasha in theory. That's what the Gemara is telling us. You don't need to do so, says Abayef. That was the inspiration of the Hachamim Rabbah. They could have very easily said, let's go based on the picking. No, but it's going to get too dangerous. I pick some this time, pick some the other day. So what? Bring it all into the storehouse where you're bringing it after all anyway, and then push it all into the middle, mix it around, and I now had, halachically speaking, a equivalently proportioned mixture. What's the problem? I mixed it up on Shemitah with all my stuff. How many of your percentage of your things were, were crumbled after Rosh Hashanah of Shemitah? How many were crumbled beforehand? 
whatever your number is, now take that out and you separate each one of them. Every scoop I take, 30% goes to the Isur and 70% Leheter and so forth. Just do this statistically is what the Gemara is. You're going to say practically, that's not the way it's going to work over here. The way it's going to work over here is what he's telling me is I can and should determine based on the mixture of it. Says the Gemara, the reason we didn't go this way, the reason we didn't in response to Abaye, just say, instead of going batar hashrasha based on the rooting, just say, you know, go based on the picking and we'll mix it together. Savar, Rabbi Shimon, excuse me, it says, Amar le Rabbi Shimon Shezuri ka amarta. You're quoting me the opinion of Rabbi Shimon Shezuri. That was the opinion in that Beraita. Meraita we just cited came from the name of, in the name of Rabbi Shimon Shezuri. What did Rabbi Shimon, why is his name Shezuri? Not fully certain. Harambam says because he was Shozer. Shozer means in the, in the production of, of, of uh, spindles, of, of sewing. The first stage is when you kind of spin it together. That's a Shezira. Anyway, so Rabbi Shimon Shezuri, uh, that's his opinion. He's the one who told you push it to the middle and as a result you can and should assume it's all equally proportioned. He's a, he's a unique and, uh, and a peculiar opinion. His opinion is, His opinion is, which means exactly what we just stated. Bila, livlol, means to mix. According to Bishimon Shezuri, we go, in the words of Rabbi, based on the law of statistics. We go based on the law of averages. That's Bishimon Shezuri. We assume that when you mix something together, it has a homogeneity to the extent that I can, halakhically speaking, determine based on the numbers that went into it. And every scoop I take out of it now, every time I put my hand in, my utensil in, I'm going to get exactly that. That's Bishimon Shezuri. Rabbanan, savre en bila. Interesting question. So hold that question for one second. I'll, I'll address it in just a second because the Gemara will address it, although I don't know if we'll see it today. But first and foremost, let me just finish the, the statement. The statement is, Rabbah responds to Abaye. Abaye, you were challenging me that in the context of Kot Niyot, we should go just like we have the Halakha by Bila. That's not the Halakha according to everyone by, uh, excuse me, by Pulha Mitzri. That's the Halakha according to Bishimon Shizuri. Rabbanan disagree with him. According to the Hachamim, you could never do this thing, pushing it to the middle and assuming we mix it all together. They wouldn't say so. You want to know what they would say? They would say you have to proportion it prior to. You need to put it in separate containers. You need to label it appropriately. That would be the hachamim. Why not? En bila. Nobody's going to mix it properly. It's statistically, in terms of these averages, not going to work out appropriately because we're human beings and we're not going to do it in a perfect mixture fashion. So it's not the way it's going to work out. And therefore, when it came to kotniyot, says, says Rabbah, the rabbis needed a more simple way of dealing with this because they don't have bila. They don't have that effectively you could mix it together. They said we're going to go based on a single measurement of when it takes root, which is generally speaking going to be all at the same time. Now Judah asks, when we talk about enbila or yeshbila, is that in all substances? In other words, is it specifically, I think this is what you're asking, at least I'm giving this to you, uh, is it only by dry products like kotniyot, or would it apply as well uh, to uh, beverages? When I'm dealing with uh, wine or I'm dealing with oil, which of course you need to take ma'asir from as well, would the hachamim even there say enbila? Do you understand? Yeshbila and enbila I'm explaining, which is the right explanation as far as I know, has to do with the way of human beings, whether you can mix it properly or not. The Gemara interestingly will suggest that everybody it appears will agree when it comes to beverages, yeshbila. We'll see that in the ensuing lines. But in terms of kotniot or something else, it just has to do with a dry product. A dry product, mixing it 
together, are you going to actually mix it properly? Are you going to do all the effort and be able to mix it around that it comes to that state? Spend the time on it. Hachamim say no. Bishimon Shizuri says yes. Says the Gemara Amar Biitzhak Bar Nachmeni Amar Shimuel Halacha Kerbi Yosef Ben Kipar She Amar Mishum Bishimon Shizuri. The statement over here is Yesh Bila. Effectively, what's Yesh Bila? Halacha is like Bishimon Shizuri. What does it mean that Yesh Bila? It means that when I have all my grains together, for argument's sake, if I'm to mix them together, I now will and should assume it was mixed to the extent that it's equally proportionate. And now how do I deal with that? Well, I know I had 30% which had, quote, hashrasha beforehand, had growth beforehand. I have 70% afterwards. I'm going to split each scoop up as so. Matkifla Rbizera says the Gemara. Rbizera challenges that statement. Is it really so that Shemuel, who's the name of one of the Emoraim, was posek halacha like Rabbi Shimon Shezuri, umi amar Shemuel hache? Is it really so that Rabbi Shemuel was posek halacha like Rabbi Shimon Shezuri? Again, effectively saying, yesh bila, Amar Shemuel, didn't Shemuel say, La kol, for all matters and bila. All dry matters don't have bila, is Shemuel's statement separately. Chutz miyayin v'shemen, except for wine and oil. Wine and oil, of course, are liquid. If it's liquid, so then you could say you mix it together. What do you need to do more? It makes itself homogenous, or wrong word, it makes itself equally uh, mixed uh, up uh, proportionately. However, when it comes to dry products, Shemuel, the same rabbi who just told me yesh bila, seemed like, the same rabbi who just told me he says well that's true only by wet items by beverages by liquids not by dry products so we have a blatant contradiction what's Shimuel's opinion now Shimuel is an important opinion Rav and Shimuel are important for him to state something and to tell me and then a contradiction I get nervous about that says the Gemara I will tell you exactly what happened over here when he said it wasn't for the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon Shizuri. It went rather as follows. It goes like this. Shemuel, in terms of the specific halacha, in terms of the specific halacha, would follow the approach of Rabbi Shimon Shizuri. The truth is, we should maybe pick up with this tomorrow, but, so let's just leave it with the contradiction for now, because if we pick up from this tomorrow, we'll then be able to conclude the Gemara appropriately with it fresh on our minds. There's just to pick you up in terms of what we arrived at in the Gemara. We arrived at in the Gemara a statement from Rabbi Shimon Shizuri, who was being cited by Abaye and countered by Rabbah. That's a single opinion. What's, what's at stake? Two things at stake. Number one, the fundamental. Fundamental is yesh bila or en bila. When something's mixed together, do we envision it, halachically speaking, as if it's now proportionate to what went into it? Every time you pick something out, was it mixed to that extent? Yes or no? Mahlok Rabbi Shimon Shizuri and the hachamim. Why did that have bearing on our issue? It had bearing on our issue because we were dealing with kotniot. And the halacha, as Rabbah explained, it was determined as going based on hashrashan, taking root, because we were fearing that people wouldn't label appropriately. And Therefore, we said, so take a time in, in this growth where everything is equal. Later in the process, it's going to have different times. It's going to get too dangerous. Just go based on hashrasha. The claim against that was, why go based on hashrasha? Just mix it all together. The answer is, that's only Rabbi Shimon Shizuri. Shimuel says, halacha is like Rabbi Shimon Shizuri. We're now challenging that. And we're arriving at a, stand, a standstill over here because Shimuel, on the other hand, seems to argue that when it comes to this matter, he would not follow. Because his opinion separately is Enbila, generally speaking We assume the mixture is not a proper mixture To the extent that I can assume That it was proportionately done Amen